morning. As uh, Ben has mentioned, the reading comes from Ephesians, from all six chapters, but you'll be relieved to know I shan't be reading all of them. But those of you who are following, uh, uh, I shall uh, refer to the references as we go along. So, chapter 1 and verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Chapter 2. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Chapter 3, verse 10. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord chapter 4 verse 15 instead speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now back to chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Steve, very much.
Um, let me read out to you um, what a couple said in a letter. Uh, they've been going to church for about a year, so fairly new to Christian things. And uh, this is what they said in a letter. We've been coming to church for um, about a year now, and it already feels like home. The atmosphere of love, friendship and excitement is impossible to find elsewhere. The joy of it far exceeds any evening at a pub, party or restaurant. Both of us find that Sunday service and Wednesday small group are the two high points of the week. At times, it feels like coming up for air. If we miss either, we feel somehow diluted. Of course, we can keep talking to God together and alone, but I feel that the act of meeting together is the bellows that keep on fanning the flames of our faith. Well, this morning, I want to uh, tell you, whether you're here in the building or uh, if you're watching from home, why church is so special. And I want to explain that it's... uh, Actually, church is more than just special. In fact, this morning, we're going to be seeing that uh, church is just simply extraordinary. Church is just simply extraordinary. And I I want to explain, and I want us to know why it is uh, that church is so extraordinary, and why actually it is that we've missed it so much over, it's just about, uh, well, one way and another, isn't it? Uh, About a year now since uh, since we've met in any kind of recognizably normal way. And, uh, uh, and, And I want to explain why that even when we can't sing, and even when we can't talk to each other, and even when we can't have coffee afterwards, I I want to explain why to be here physically, here in the building, is still the best thing that we can do on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or at any time, okay? To be here physically is a really good, honestly, it's the best thing for Christian people to do. Now, uh, I know some of us who are watching now at home, for instance, we can't get out. So some of us, we're still wisely shielding. Uh, The building, um, uh, we're about a quarter full because of the social distancing. So we can't get everyone in any way. So of course we recognize that. I know there are folks who have tried to get in for today's service, haven't been able to book a place, and so on. Um, But I also want to explain why. Even now, socially distanced and on mute, why it's just brilliant to be here. And why to be here, actually, is a good thing to do. It is much better than watching online. It is much better than watching online. Uh, But of course, we can't all be here at the moment. We know that. But we look forward so much to being here, all of us. Uh, in due course. Of course, we'll carry on live streaming for those who can't make it, for those who are uh, um, uh, staying at home, uh, perhaps they're ill or whatever. Um, but we're going to be looking, I'm going to do something this morning in the next uh, 20, 25 minutes. Um, we're going to look at the whole of Ephesians. So let's pray and ask God that he would teach us from this. Father, thank you for the church. Um, Uh, And we pray that as we look at Ephesians, um, a letter which has got a lot to say about the church, we pray for you, help us to understand what the church is and why it's so extraordinary. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Um, So there are six things to say and uh, one thing from each chapter, uh, and the first of them is this. The church is us. The church is us. 
And uh, uh, we've had two great sermons on Ephesians 1 in the last two weeks. Richard Brunson here a couple of weeks ago. Phil Washington <coughs> uh, was speaking as well uh, <coughs> from Ephesians 1. And uh, uh, do you notice from verses 3 and 4, as Steve read them, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. And that kind of theme goes on, so the word us keeps on coming up. So, for instance, it's in verse 5, and verse 6, and verse 8, and then the word we kind of takes over, and that's in verses 7, and 11, and 12. The church is people, the church is us. It's It's not a building, it's not an organization, it's not them, it's not you, it's us. It's a bun- and uh, it's a, it's a it's it's a group of people. It's a team, if you like. It's a it's a flock. It's a shoal. Uh, it is people together. And uh, um, but the church is not just a bunch of people. It's a bunch of people that God has saved. That's really significant. That's really important. It's not just a group of people like you might have a gardening club or something like that. No, look at verse 7 and verse 8. We've had our sins forgiven. And in verse 8, God's grace has been lavished on us. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? God's grace has been lavished on us. We are a people, verse 13. We have the Holy Spirit who, verse 14, is a deposit that is guaranteeing our inheritance, guaranteeing our future. Guaranteeing our heaven to be there, our inheritance there. And the church is us. We are one saved people together. And so as we look around, I mean, I'm sorry you can't do this at home, but in the building now, do have a look around. And when we leave later on, do have a look around. Because you can physically see the church. You can physically see, you know, we've got 60, 70, whatever, how many people we've got in the building this morning, miracles. Miracles of God's grace, miracles of salvation here in the building. And it is, a, I mean, I'm in a, a, an unusually privileged position, I guess, to be standing out the front. I can see your faces, well, half of your faces. And, uh, uh, and it's a great joy. Oh, by the way, we need to learn more and more to smile with our eyes, don't we? Practice in front of a mirror, smiling with your eyes. But, uh, but let's be thankful to God. That actually we've got a bunch, a group of people, a flock, a shoal of people here together now who are a group of 60 or 70 miracles of God, for which we thank and praise God together this morning. And we are one, saved by God's grace. It is us. Church is extraordinary. Second thing to say is this, chapter 2, we are one new humanity. Now, I used to work full-time in youth work, and I lost count of the number of times I'd go to meetings, and I'd hear other youth ministers speaking, and they would rubbish the church. Even now, I'd love to be able to go back and say to them, how dare you? That is outrageous. You are ignorant. You do not understand. The church is the glory of God on this earth. And you're rubbishing it. You're not clever. That's not a good thing to do. At least I hope I'd be that restrained. Now look, look at chapter 2 and verses, uh, uh, verse 15 here. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. So, um, so verse 14, he himself, as Jesus is our peace, who has made the two groups, that's Jews and Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. How? By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of the two. 
look around in the building. Just look at, you know, just look. Look at the backs of the folks' heads in front of you or whatever. Um, And here, right here, in this place now, God is reinventing the human race. I'm sorry you can't see this quite as well as we can if you're watching at home. Church is a whole new species of human being reconciled to one another and to God. And uh, the word reconciled there in verse 16 uh, literally means super reconciled. Super reconciled. This is a new humanity. Here in the building, every time we meet, I told the eight o'clockers this, the small handful of us meeting this morning, saying, we are a new humanity, a new human race, created by God and united by Jesus Christ in himself. And so, in this new humanity, God does away with distinctions. So we don't think in terms of young and old or, and Jew and non-Jew and, or social, economic or racial distinctions or anything like that. Inequality before God is abolished by a new unity in Christ. A guy called Leslie Newbegin wrote this. It is a unity which not merely reflects but actually participates in the unity of God. The unity of love and obedience which binds the Son to the Father. And we all know we're not perfect, don't we? We're not a perfect bunch of people. But do take a good look this morning. This is our local representation of the new humanity, the new human race that God is creating. That's why we want to be here together physically in the building. I know we can't all meet yet, but that's, isn't that a great reason to be here physically in the building together? So you can see something, see this miracle that God is doing. Why would you choose to stay at home if you could be here? I know we can't all be here at the moment. This is wonderful. Profoundly united and living at peace with one another. Church is extraordinary. Simply extraordinary. It's us. We're a new humanity. And the third thing about it that we see in chapter 3 is the church is a teacher of angels. This new human race, this new humanity is, uh, uh, is a display of the wisdom of God. And who is it displayed to? Now you'd think, wouldn't you? It's a display of the wisdom of God to the watching world. That's not what he says. We are a display of the wisdom of God to the angels. Actually, it doesn't say angels in verses 10 and 11. Um, I just took that because uh, there's a guy called John Mackay said that the history of the Christian church becomes a graduate school for angels. But when you look at it here, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold, or literally means many-coloured wisdom of God, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So it's not just down church history, but it's us, right here, right now. We are teaching angels and other spiritual beings about the wisdom of God. I mean, don't discount the angels. Spurgeon said, for instance, I, uh, I do not know how to explain it, but I believe angels have a great deal to do with the business of this world. But it's more than angels. This includes Satan and the demons, his minions. And right now, they see us here, 
and they are forced to recognize God's eternal plan to gather his people together under his church, in his church, under Christ. We are a school for the devil. And a church, this church, gathering together, even when we can't sing and chat and have coffee and have a hug or whatever and all the rest of it, is a celebration of God's eternal victory over Satan, over sin, over death at the cross. As a guy called Richard Cokin said, every local church is God's trophy cabinet. Every local church is God's trophy cabinet. And you know, you when Brighton got promotion to the Premiership and uh, they had this open top bus ride along the seafront there and so on. Well, that's the church right here, right now. We are God's open top bus ride. And the people who are watching are not folks gathered on the seafront so much as, the, as it says here, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The spiritual beings that we don't see. We are an example a teaching point. We are a lecture. We are teaching the heavenly beings the truth of God's wisdom in drawing people from all sorts of backgrounds and, and everything else and putting them in together, one, as an eternal group heading for the glories of heaven. That is extraordinary. Don't want you to be part of this? Don't you want to actually see it? Don't you want to be in that privileged position where on a Sunday you can say, this is extraordinary. These people... What God has done. Praise you, Lord, for being such an extraordinary and wonderful, saving, graceful God. Extraordinary church. It's us. It's one new humanity. It's a teacher of angels. Fourth, it is the growing body of Christ. The growing body of Christ. And uh, that's first from chapter 4 and verses 15 and 16. And um, uh, look at verse 16, for instance. Um, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work the, the church is the growing body of Christ um, it's not the church looks like the growing body of Christ or the, uh, the church represents the growing body of Christ no, what he's saying we are the growing body of Christ us here now those of us who are watching online, we are the growing body of Christ. We're alive. We need feeding. We need exercises. We need to grow and develop. And how does the church grow? Through truth and love. Speaking the truth in love. Or literally, truthing in love. Which isn't necessarily speaking, is it? But living, doing truth, living it out. And do you notice here... Um, uh, when it says in verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. As each part does its work. So we need to maintain our unity, we need to contribute to our ministry, we need to, to grow in maturity. And that is how God gathers his church under Christ to display his triumph to the beings in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realms. And we all have a role to play. That guy Richard Cokin again, he said this, don't neglect your ministry, leaving other exhausted church members to try and do it for you. And there's lots of ministry to be done. Lots of ministry to be done. 
There's lots of ministry to be done on the tech side, Ben mentioned just recently, didn't he? And uh, in our children's work, there's a real need for leaders, people to get involved with our children's work. You see, church is not a restaurant. Do you remember restaurants? Remember going to a restaurant a couple of years ago? You know? and, um, um, uh, and, you know, in most restaurants, you go in and you sit down and, and then you're served. A waiter or a waitress comes up to serve you. Well, church isn't like that. We're here to serve. It's not, it's not about coming to receive, actually, first and foremost. And it's not about you. Church is not about you and your desires and what you hope to get out of it and so on. That's not the first thing. No, church is actually we come to serve. When we come in through the door, when we're preparing to come to the building kind of thing, which is why it's good to be here in the building, is actually the idea is we're saying, well, how can I serve this morning? What can I do to make someone else feel welcome? What can I do just to help tidy up or whatever? What can I, what can I do to help? What can I do to serve? We must have that mindset about it. So let's think about how we can be involved, how we can serve. And then, in verse 16, it ends, as each part does its work. Each part. It's all of us. It's those at home as well. It's everyone. We are the growing body of Christ. Don't be a passenger. We all need to be serving in some way. Every one of us. That's what church is about, isn't it? And we will never be what we should be and what God wants us to be unless we're all serving in some way. Extraordinary church. Uh, It's us, it's a new humanity, it's the teacher of angels, it's a growing body of Christ. And number five, it's loved by Christ. Just have a look at chapter 5 and verses 25 and 26. Now, that's talking about um, how... A husband and wife are a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. So you look at a married couple and you should be able to think, well, that's us and Jesus. And then you look in verses 25 and 26. So just turn over to chapter 5 and verses 25 and 26 there. And, uh, um, and look at the verbs there. Loved. Church. Love from a past eternity to a future eternity. Christ gave himself up for her, his self-sacrifice for us, for you and me, for us together on the cross, to make her holy, the purpose of the sacrifice of the cross. And he cleansed her. The tense of that is, uh, is literally having cleansed her. And his aim is to present her to himself, radiant, without blemish, holy, blameless. And he's talking about us. A group of people here, us this morning, together. This body of people, those who are joining online. This body of people right here, right now, loved by Jesus, loved by Jesus so much that he gave himself for us. For you guys sitting at home, gave himself for you. And he gave himself for us uh, to cleanse us and to make us holy and ready for heaven. I love Martin Lloyd-Jones when he was writing about this. And he, and he wrote this. She will look young and in the bloom of youth with colour in her cheeks, with her skin perfect, without any spots or wrinkles, 
and she'll remain like that forever and ever. Now, we are loved by Christ. We are the object of his sacrifice. We are the people who he will present holy and blameless on that last day. And we've brought nothing to the party. Because it's all by the grace of God. And therefore, we can, with all humility, say we're extraordinary. Because it's not our doing. This church, any Christian church, simply extraordinary. And don't you just want to be here to see what God has done? To praise him with his people. And we can still praise him very easily and deeply even if we cannot sing. So please don't uh, absent yourself just because we can't sing. I think we've learned over lockdown times, haven't we? That we can praise God uh, while Matt and whoever is with him, Seth this morning, um, uh, lead us in our praise and worship of God. This bunch of people who are Bishop Pennington Church... Jesus loves us more than you ever dare imagine. An extraordinary church. Us, a new humanity, a teacher of angels, the growing body of Christ, loved by Christ. And finally, just remember, the cosmic war. We're in a cosmic war. Our battle, chapter 6 and verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Seems to me, though, that we're, we've kind of forgotten the devil a bit, haven't we? And that's very dangerous. Now, of course, on the other hand, you can get just totally obsessed by the devil. But let's, just, just, let not, let's not just ignore him altogether. And let's never forget the devil is filled with fury, Revelation chapter 12, for you and me. He is the father of lies. He has lost his grip on reality. He hates us and he hates us meeting together. He hates what we're doing right now, whether you're at home and watching or whether we're meeting here in the building. He hates this happening. And the reason Jesus appeared, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, is to destroy the devil's work. And when you read in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, our struggle, well, it's literally wrestle. So it's not our struggle, you know, I'm trying to understand this, I'm having a glass of sherry, talking to my friends, you know, and so on. I'm really struggling. No, it's not that. It's a wrestling match. This is cage fighting. That's what we're talking about here. Our struggle, our cage fight, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And the devil may use political ideologies, physical afflictions, conspiracy theories, False religious teachers, bad leaders, social media, the news programs, newspapers, you name it. Your thing is, there's a war on. And the devil is our enemy and he hates us. And he hates us doing what we're doing right now. All the more reason for us to be doing it. He wants to keep you at home as long as you possibly can. 
And he wants us to keep us separated because we have to be separated physically as long as he possibly can. He wants this building to remain spread out and be two-thirds empty as long as he possibly can. But remember this, we're at war with the devil. It's a war. Jesus has won on the cross of Calvary. And you know the illustration about D-Day and V-E-Day? D-Day, 6th of June 1944, the decisive victory in the battle for the Second World War. But it was 11 months until the 5th of May 1945 when we reached Berlin and it was V-E-Day. And there's a spiritual parallel between Jesus' D-Day as he died for us on the cross, a decisive victory, and then looking forward to the V-E-Day, like the end of the war, when Jesus returns forever and for all time. And we're in the time between the two now. If you like, we're between D-Day and V-E-Day. The war's not yet over, but it will be when Jesus returns. Someone wrote about this. The devil is in the end a bull in a net, a wild beast kicking himself to death. And in the meantime, we're in a cosmic battle. And Ephesians tells us that Christ's conquest of the devil is displayed where? Here. Right here, right now. This is the display. You are, we are the display of Jesus' victory over the devil. That's why he hates the church so much. Because we are the constant reminder that he is defeated, that he is lost. So take another look around. Thank God. We are, we are like the Allied soldiers, all wearing our D-Day medals as we fight our way across northern France in the autumn of, of 1944. The victory is ours. We are the church. We are the church in a cosmic war. We're front line. We're the physical evidence that the devil has lost. We are Jesus' victory parade. We still struggle. It's called our struggle, our wrestle, our cage fight in verse 12. So we support and we help and we pray for and we encourage and we get alongside and we support and we love each other. And we will come to church to join in to support and help each other in this cosmic war. And your very presence, without the singing and the chat and the hug or the handshake and the coffee, is hugely significant. Don't come for yourself. That's not the main reason we come anyway. But come and join in the evidence that Jesus is the victor. The devil is defeated. And our hope for heaven is real. Church is extraordinary. How can you possibly miss it? Well, Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 20 and 21 seems to me is the only appropriate uh, response. I'm going to read this now as a prayer and then Judith is going to lead us in our other prayers this morning. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus 
throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.